Today's show is sponsored by CISO. This new ad-free streaming service brings us users a nearly endless supply of top-shelf comedy. Head over to CISO.com right now to receive your first month for free by entering promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's S-E-E-S-O dot com for one month of hilarious comedy for free with promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Excellent, John. Ryan, what you got? Mistake. I got SeatGeek. Today's show is also sponsored by SeatGeek. Buying tickets online has always been a confusing process, but not with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app today to start saving. Enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN for $20 off your first ticket purchase. That's promo code BADCHRISTIAN, all caps, one word, for $20 off right now. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let the pro do it. I mean, you guys are good at, like, hunting <laughs> demons, but you're shit at reading ads. <laughs> Today's show is also sponsored by Lyft. The free Lyft app gets users a ride in minutes on demand 24-7 for less than the cost of a cab. Right now, our listeners get three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to $30 value when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. That's three free rides when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Nice. I'm not buying what you're selling, I'll tell you that. No. Here we go. You are now <laughs> oh, you will, and you'll love it. Yo, 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 motherfucking demon hunter? Sounds more like a motherfucking... Joey! Sounds more like a motherfucking... You don't use language like that. Oh my God. There's no album in the house. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. It is a really cool Christian rap band name, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm Welcome sure there's show, been a lot of hip, there, there's been a lot of Christian hippity hoppers that have been like, man, I wanted to name our rap band Demon Hunter. Nah, that's not true. At all. I, don't even, I don't even know what that <laughs> means. We'll, we'll get to the uh, Joey <laughs> later in the episode. We'll get to the point where Joey says, "So, where did the name come from?" So that's coming later, everybody. But sit tight for now. I want to thank uh, Broadcast Supply Worldwide for giving us and supplying us this gear, this microphone. This is where oh, we get all it. our stuff. Uh, bswusa.com and everybody gets 10% off of podcasting gear if you buy yours where I get mine if you use the promo code down D-O-W-N anyway in studio today we have Ryan Clark and John Dunn from Demon Hunter and then on the internet Ooh. as always Toby and Joey so yeah. I had a good time doing these in studio things lately Chad and Zach were here on the last episode That's right. and they That's did a pretty right. good job with their ad reads and Ryan and John definitely did a better job but Yo, in all fairness in all fairness they do work at basically a creative ad agency for a living right it's true. true. Yeah. We don't, neither of us do voiceover, but uh, <laughs> and well, uh, even more interesting than that, John and Ryan work their creative agency that they work at is right here in this building. So this is this studio that you see us in right now is simply the closet of the giant uh, creative agency, the belief agency that John and Ryan work at, at their day jobs as well as uh, you know doing. Which is the day job? The Demon Hunter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Never been. Never has been. Never has been. <laughs> Secret to the success. Mm-hmm. So what's going on in you guys' world, Toby, Joe? I want, I want to tell you all a story. <laughs> it's all about me right now. Listen yep. to this, though. This is So you guys have a little background. Uh, y'all, y'all know my dad, so imagine my dad sitting on the chair. 
and I'm at his house visiting, and we talk a lot Wait, of football. Wait, do, you, do you, y'all have the chair? Like, your dad sits <laughs> on the chair. There's, imagine so my dad sitting on the chair. Well, I'm thinking the chair because that's the chair that he always sits on. So anyway, right. uh, for those of you that don't follow sports, there is Deshaun Watson, who's one of our heroes. He He's a quarterback for Clemson. Won the national championship for them uh, with you know all their other players, but he he is a black quarterback, so that is actually important in this story. I I was looking at my dad and I said, Dad, God, I said seriously, Here we go. If if Deshaun Watson kills it in the NFL, I said you could probably make a pretty strong argument that he's the first one of his kind to really make it big time in the NFL. And my dad looks at me. And now everybody knows that our generation, we've kind of yeah. progressed further past racism. And, and let me our, give a little context clues to everybody listening real quick, Joey. Everybody besides you is uncomfortable right now. Yeah, we're all <laughs> terrified. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. About, I mean, so, so you, have tell, moon. You, have, you have three people yeah. listening from Seattle and what you've said We're right pretty now. sure whatever <laughs> comes next puts us right. as in Pepsi, United right. Airlines, and the right. Bad Christian Podcast is where we're going to be <laughs> so, in a few seconds, I'm afraid. So my, my dad kind of looks at me. He's a little uncomfortable. He's almost got like that little like, so... Uh, and see, that's exactly what he says, what John he was like, I mean, you know, Warren Moon, and he starts naming all these like really good black quarterbacks in the NFL. And I was like, no, Dad. I was like, dual threat quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so he seriously—you weren't even talking about race. He you seriously, got all of us. he seriously thought that I was talking about black quarterbacks, and it was just really funny way. to see my dad look at me like. What has happened to my son? Your like dad and everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast right now. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not you, that your dad is crazy. You understand that, yeah. right? Yeah. It's really funny because your southern this, this dad is thinks fun, you're racist. You're yes. When your southern dad, who was born in the 40s or 50s, think it, right. you make him really uncomfortable, then yeah, you got you got to watch out for that it, one, my friend. It, it's funny because I was listening to that story, and although it was a really funny story and well told, by the way, Joey, the uh, more than humor and anything that I have, I have relief. Yeah, I'm just relieved. That's exactly the <laughs> way I feel. So damn relieved right now <laughs> no. how that story turned out. I didn't. I mean, <laughs> but what about the respect for Russell Wilson? He's dual threat. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he he didn't really make it. Careful. I mean, his, yeah, de- careful. his defense. And he's been divorced. Right yeah, he's real been divorced. Careful. And he threw an interception that destroyed y'all Super Bowl chances. So I mean, Careful, I would say he's the worst. Yeah, really you can't call an audible in that in. situation and say we're going yeah. to run. I mean, come on, that's not. He already shit. won one, man. He's just trying to build the suspense for next year. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad did make some good cases. But it, if you think about it, and I told him in the modern age, so basically in the last fifteen years, all these dual threat quarterbacks that go to the NFL, they really do fizzle out. I mean, <laughs> the modern age is the, is two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> in the last 15 years of the modern age, <laughs> 2002 is when the dual threat quarterback comes out. Right. Now, John, you're a bit—you are actually a big football player. I don't want to get into this, but you—you're—you're oh, you're yeah. into the Seahawks and all that yeah, stuff. And Ryan, right. are you at all? No, I'm a fair weather fan at, at most. My uh, my see. family had season tickets since the inaugural season of '76 of the wow. Seahawks. So part the of the reason why I'm an underdog to this day is growing up on the Seahawks. So I've got thirty some years before we saw any glimmer. That's of, a that's a good way to do is to ride it from the bottom up. Yeah, it, you know, it's definitely the way to be a sports fan. There's but, no uh, fair weather in me. So I again am relieved that we didn't walk into it some kind of racism trap early in the episode. But then we moved into the next thing Thank that you, really Jesus. doesn't work at 
all on our podcast, and that's <laughs> sports uh, that we love, right. but it doesn't ever work when we talk about it because right. there's something in music fans, and you guys probably know this, where it's just you like music, not sports. But most musicians kind of tend to like sports right. as their other thing, but yeah. music fans and stuff like that, there, they just don't seem to be that into sports. It's definitely a, a flop when we discuss it. So. There's a paradigm that everyone in sports wants to be in music, yes. and everyone in music wants to be in sports, and this grass is always greener thing. Mm-hmm. Sports is way better paying than music, so if you can get into that, <laughs> give up true. on the music. <laughs> no, there's definitely some kind of crossover there. But I mean, if it was the 90s, we could debate which one was better, but this day and age, st- stay with sports. Yeah, if you can get it, you got to get it for yeah. sure. So, so the other thing going like on, our, we, go ahead. I was just going to ask, are, are these two bands here represented on the podcast, would you guys consider each other in the same tooth and nail generation? Like, are y'all in the same generation of tooth and nail bands? Did you say two I, bands? We're, we're in one band. But. That, What's that? They, they don't, no, no, no. I'm, they talk, don't I'm even, talking about... Emory doesn't I'm, even register to them. They don't even know. Oh, yeah. you guys are in a band? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Do you guys play music? <laughs> they don't know who we are. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. And here's something funny. If, if anybody's watching on the video feed, I had uh, Melanie and Reva. I said, put up some posters up here on the wall. And they picked out of my poster bag. And they put three posters up here. It's a Tooth and Nail Solid State poster, a Pedro the Lion poster, and a Gatsby's American Dream poster. And Ryan and John walked in. And John said, which ones of those did you do? And, and Ryan said, oh, I think Don did that one, his brother Don. Uh, and they said, I think Don did that one. I think Don did that one. <laughs> so <laughs> all the posters I have from like 2003, in 99 we're, we're all done by Ryan or Don and yeah you had a 50-50 chance of getting Ryan or Don <laughs> yeah. and you picked I all Don I didn't yeah. pick them at all it just happens to be posters that I have kept around over the years and, and here they are and that's the funny thing about all this is it's like people I don't think people really understand how small the small world is of stuff like this like tooth and nail and right. the indie scene and bands I mean it is yeah. so freaking small and I've got a good illustration of that the uh, other big news of the hour as in within this hour is uh and I guess we are in the same era of bands but I consider that a very cool thing to do uh, I, do, I guess this will function as a, basically an announcement of a, of, of a new thing that Toby and I have been working on but Toby and I got commissioned a while back to develop a podcast for Tooth and Nail so we've been working on something I, we didn't talk about I don't know if we mentioned it or not but I don't think we were supposed to if we have We've been working on a podcast for Tooth and Nail because they see what we're doing. They think, whoa, those guys are doing something awesome. And if you guys notice, cool Tooth and Nail and uh, advertises on this on here. And we we just have a really good relationship. They're great. And uh, it, it's really cool that they're that way. So we're no longer on Tooth and Nail, but we do t- tons of stuff with them all the time, give them all the credit in the world. And they approached us and said they'd like to make a, a, a really neat podcast. Did we have any ideas? Could we help them do something? I said, totally, of course. So we've been working for like the last six months or so to develop a real podcast that has, you know, stories and interesting stuff that would make something really good for them because like a label doing a podcast with in-studio updates of their newest band is is kind of goofy. So we thought maybe we could make them something that really gets into the history and the the stories and the real stuff behind the scenes because of course we know people like Demon Hunter and all the other bands and have a ton of connections and there's so many stories and rumors out there that we thought we could make a good podcast where we just kind of go through those and 
today's the day that it, that it gets announced, and we happen to be doing the podcast. Demon Hunter happens to work in the same building that Bad Christian headquarters is in, and all that stuff. So, if it's okay, I'm going to play the trailer for the for the new podcast. Is that okay with everybody? It's going to be unbelievable. Right. I'm excited for everybody to hear so it. So, me and Toby know this because we've awesome. been working on it, but the rest of you are free to you know react yeah. after you hear it. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be good. Here we go. Okay, so you guys know the label, and you love the bands and the music, but the tooth and nail thing is much bigger than that. Now, the independent music scene has always been fueled by word of mouth, and with word of mouth comes stories and rumors and all the lore that make up its culture. But we were literally walking to Taco Bell to get food, and he just stopped off in a dumpster in the Taco Bell parking lot and was like <laughs> pulling food out. So no doubt, you've heard rumors and some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and some of the stuff that's happened to the bands on the road, but how do you know what's true and what's not? Chad said, Chris, come with me, grab your acoustic guitar. And I, I didn't really know what we were up to. And he kind of threw me in this tent and there was people there. And I said, what am I doing here? And he said, well, you're gonna, you're gonna play dashboard songs. People are gonna love this. So join me, Matt Carter, and Toby Morrell from Emory. And so trying to find them and meet up with them and get a hold of them was just unbelievable. And Aaron Lunsford from As Cities Burn. You're going to come on tooth and nail. You're going to be the next under oath. It's going to be awful. We're going to investigate the stories. There was a point in time where I was getting Bible verses yelled at me, and I just thought, this is ridiculous. At that point, I was like, let's go home, because this is not where I want to be. And we talked to the artists. said, like, I could leave if you'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to the A&R guys, the tour managers, the producers, everybody involved. And I'm like, am I the only one who's hearing this story right now? Am I taking crazy pills? Like, why don't you just <laughs> borrow someone's cell phone? So we're excited to announce labeled the stories, rumors, and legends of Tooth & Nail Records. Season one is coming soon, so subscribe right now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can just search labeled or Tooth & Nail Podcast. See you soon. All right. Dang. That sounds good. Oh, sounds man. Cool. God, I'm excited for sure, man. Woo. That's really awesome. Hey, before we go, I, I want to talk more about that, but before we do so, let me tell you little guys out there listening that are maybe sad or fat so two sets of people sad or is, fat is it, you so you're need describing yourself because here's why <laughs> laughing first of all makes you happy and second of all you burn up to 120 calories an hour by laughing which is where CISO comes in so CISO you know it's kind of like their specialty is laughing and comedy and funny shows. It's basically hundreds of hours of streaming stand-up television and original comedy. I mean, it's like a gym membership that gets you all this stuff and you laugh your calories off. So with CISO, you get unlimited CISO original series, next day, late night, hilarious stand-up specials. You get all 42 seasons of Saturday Night Live. I mean, the entire Monty Python 
uh, catalog, and you also get some exclusive content from today's best comedians. Uh, I mean, sign up now. You could catch brand new stand up specials from um, what's what's his name, Big J Okerson's What's Your Fucking Deal, or you can watch favorite sets from comedians like uh, Louis C.K., Amy Schumer. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Access CISO content from anywhere at any time using iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV. Ready for the punchline? It's just three ninety nine per month. No joke. Three ninety nine per month for all the comedy you want anytime, anywhere, and it's ad free. So just go to CISO.com. That's S E E S O dot com right now. Sign up for one month of free comedy entertainment with promo code Bad Christian at checkout. So go to S E E S O dot com. Promo code Bad Christian. All right. So as far as tooth and nail goes, uh, John was just telling John himself is the tooth and nail story master. I think he is the gatekeeper for all tooth and nail stories. Do you think there is yeah. anybody, anybody out there that knows more actual stories about uh, tooth and nail and tooth Brand, and nail? Brandon Abel for sure. He well, other than Brandon, <laughs> Brandon is the king storyteller. I'm just a peon that's learned <laughs> below Brandon. But uh, yeah, from 2001 to 2012 so i was i was there about 10 years mm-hmm. and uh kind of during the boom and all the craziness like lived it all and ryan was there 15 16 13 13 years let's round up hey, 13 hey, rounded up to yeah. 15 and let's admit something now when we had brandon abel on the tooth on the bad christian podcast are we talking I about brandon his, abel or he brandon abel, abel. Uh, yeah well, actually brandon, both do all right, so so check it out. I made his jaw drop at least three times, and he looked at Matt and Toby and pointed to me and said, who is this guy? So from 93 to 2000, here's your boy right here, right here. Tooth and knowledge. Era. 93, yeah, spent, 2000. Spent a lot, of, a lot of time locked in your bedroom. John just hit me with a story that I never heard before right before this. I wanted to tell it again, but tell me about the uh, – so, John, you when did, how old were you when you started working at Tooth and Nail? Mm, I was uh, 21. Yeah, 21 year old yeah. kid, and you got yeah. a job in the mailroom. And yep. we knew you before. If anybody doesn't know, we knew John Dunn since we moved to Seattle. Was one of the first people we met um, when he was probably a 19 year old. And then he wound up getting a job at Tooth and Nail and coming to tell us about it and saying, oh, "I got this job at Tooth and Nail," um, and just doing mailroom stuff, which we thought was a big deal at the time. But uh, but but your tooth and nail thing goes even before that, which I thought was so super funny. Yeah. So. Uh, when I was 15 years old, there was four of us that all went to the grand opening of the tooth and nail store together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in line. Uh, if you watch the tooth and nail documentary, No Nude Kind of Story, yep. there's part of this in here. But uh, So the funny part is I'm a 15-year-old kid, grew up on tooth and nail, similar story to... At least Joey, yep. you and Toby want to admit to it or not. Um, <clears throat> so I'm inside the store. We were talking about Bill Power. Right. Because Bill worked, Billy's worked on the Tooth and Nail podcast with yeah. us. So Lunsford and Toby and I and Billy yeah. have been working on putting it together. Yeah. So yeah. there's footage of this that I'm walking around the store, 15-year-old kid, and I walk up to the counter and I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to work here some someday. 
and Bill just <laughs> blows me off, just like, yeah, right, kid, whatever. Um, so, I, <laughs> so ironically, uh, you were so into Tooth and Nail that yeah, you had to go, you had uh, to be there for the event of the yeah. grand opening of when they opened a yep. retail store. Yep, totally. Yep. And, and uh, when then Billy Power, who was the A and R guy at the time, was yep. working the retail store. Yep, and uh, he blew me off and was like, yeah, right, kid, whatever. Uh, and years later, I became the A and R guy as uh, Billy was going. How many years later? Did you say it was probably eight years, and oh, so you really right. did achieve exactly what you said yeah, as yeah. a dummy fifteen-year-old. Yeah. yeah, as a dummy fifteen-year-old, <laughs> which there was no wisdom in what I was uh-huh. sharing. It was just the the roll of the dice happened to be right. Uh, but the uh, ironic part is when I got the job offer for Tooth and Nail, Emery was on their very first tour uh-huh. with my band at the time. That's right, and we were in Portland when I got the phone call playing a skate park. That's right, if you guys remember that, I do. We were yeah, at the skate park, and I got the phone call of like, "Hey, dude, you're gonna start in the mailroom." I didn't on... think you were telling the truth at first. I, no, I was just like, well, John, 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 weren't that... you? John, weren't you the guy that actually put a week's end in Brandon's yes. hands? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We, there's a whole story behind yeah. that. But, John, John's yeah, probably cool. completely responsible for us being on Tooth and Nail. If you think yeah, about we, it, yeah. We, yeah, we actually never wanted to be on Tooth and Nail. We always heard terrible stories. That's the truth. <laughs> and so we thought, oh, we can't ever sign there. And then John, who we trusted and liked and were friends with, said, Hey, let me just let me just give me your your CD and let's let's do it. And from that, ended up being pretty awesome. Like it ended up being a, a amazing and, and the better deal. But just to give y'all context too, this is what's really funny about having these two guys here. Ryan designed the week's end yep, cover with the fish, the iconic fishball head. Yep. And that was John's body, right? No, <laughs> it, was Zane, body. it was Zane. Tarpo. Oh, Zane. Yeah. It was Zane's Zane, body right. on that. But yeah. John went with us and told us what to do and go to Goodwill. Here's what's crazy about that. Can I tell a story real quick? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Can I tell a story real quick? <laughs> Hell yes. Y'all, okay. You two tell that story. Okay, so, so here it is. You, you can try to defer this. By the way, I should premise by saying when Brandon Ebel was on this podcast, whatever, a year ago, uh-huh. you guys talked so much shit. Shit about me, <laughs> and I was in the car listening to it. And I'm, going, what did we say? I don't these, remember. I can't even. It's been a year, so I even thought I should listen to that again, so I have the ammo yeah. when I go in there. But I remember listening to it and going, "There's going to be a moment that I'm going to tear all of you guys. <laughs> I will destroy you because of all the garbage you're talking on me." But funny story, you guys were living in that house in Maple Valley next to Josh Head's parents, like mm-hmm. little yep. one bedroom, one bathroom with a garage thing. And I was talking to you about image. There's a whole mm-hmm. whole backstory to that, but we don't have time for it. So I'm talking to you guys about image. I'm like, listen, girl jeans are the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it was skinny jeans, but you couldn't get skinny jeans for guys. At that time. At that, that time. They didn't exist. Right. You had yep. to go to the, the girls' department. And right. so it was me Especially and you. Size 44. Well, there was a bunch in the room. Devin was in the room, Toby was in the room, and I was like, listen, we gotta work on you guys' image. You gotta drop weight. That was one of the things that came up on the podcast, but we'll save that with Brandon. And I was, I was but like, we had okay. to lose weight to get signed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, was, yeah that's yeah. kind yeah. of I'll, true. I'll give, I'll give my version. Especially Matt. Day. Yeah, yeah. Especially Matt. Just, Matt, had, Matt would d- die if he had Matt to had a dad bod before he had it, <laughs> had two kids. And so went shopping with Matt, and we bought you girl jeans mm-hmm. that uh, were slim fit and probably a t-shirt pretty similar to what you're wearing now. And we came back to the house, and we walked into the room, and everyone was hanging out in that one little tiny living room with the TV yep. and all that. And we walked in. And Toby especially died of laughter, like lost his <laughs> mind as if you walked in in like a pink tutu yeah. dress, like <laughs> yeah, lost exactly, his mind, yeah. rolling oh. off the couch. And he's like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're wearing girls' clothes. This is killing me. And you're like, I don't know. I kind of like it. I'm kind of into it or whatever. 
fast forward like a year later and everyone in the band is wearing girl jeans including Joel Green who maybe shouldn't have been wearing them and uh, yeah you guys all Joel's were maternity <laughs> mad love to Joel mad love to Joel if he's listening nothing he's but respect not, for Joel no he's, he's not we'll don't worry too. you can say anything you want about him <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, I remember well, all of I, I remember all of y'all coming uh, to Charleston during his uh, Christmas break and y'all had all made that switch and I was just like, "This is Transgender. unbelievable." Yeah. It felt true. <laughs> yeah. we went because y'all, y'all, y'all had also y'all had also started, you know, doing the piercings and all that stuff. And I was, you know, it was like well, you got to understand too. I mean, we grew up in Greer, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you wear Carhartt pants and, and right. boots, and and you don't your image that that is your image. Like right. you don't want to look looking effeminate. Right. Is it like might get you, you know you'll get killed? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even so true might, to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It might be so. So it was intense, and so yeah, I remember the first time. I, I that's exactly right. I'm glad you recalled it, told that story because I recall it very well. I remember Matt walking in. I was like, I, I can't believe that somebody with long legs like that or and wearing that kind of tight jeans. What in the hell? Because I'd never seen Matt wear anything like that before in my life. And so I really did think Matt's just acting a fool cutting up right now. <laughs> Matt's showing under out. The table to see what he's kind making of pants me laugh. They're, they're still pretty tight. They're still pretty tight. <laughs> they're distilled he's, jeans. I agree. He's hey, well, he, with it. Here's, here's the million dollar question. Was all of that, now looking back, was all of that necessary for the success? Yes. Like how much did that play 100% yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But before it was all like Genco's and, you know, 2XL. Carhartt shirts right. on Matt, mm-hmm. and they they were looking a goofball. It was a start sure. change. So here's yeah. what I remember about that: that I think is goofy, and I hadn't thought thought about it in a long time. But Ryan doing the artwork to that, we signed a record deal. We got signed. We had the weeks in that was going to sell a hundred over a hundred thousand copies and make all this money. We got a few thousand dollars in our first record deal, yeah. and so we go to do the artwork, which I think we had the general idea for, and then. It didn't seem crazy at the time, but it was like to do the artwork for the photo shoot, it was like, well, we'll use Zane to take that picture, and we got to do the fishbowl head. But here's what we're going to need from you guys. The fishbowl and a sheet to hang behind Zane to take the picture. We, we made you guys bring that? Yeah, and we had to go to Goodwill and find the sheet and the, and the fishbowl for the photo shoot and pay for it. So at that time. What at that the time, heck? Is that, that, is that how that worked? That was kind of how it worked at that time. It and, was, And I'm on, I'm on probably four or five album covers from that era because uh-huh. it was kind of before we really had money to play with it, it must have been because so, we had to go buy the fishbowl ourselves <laughs> yeah so during was, that during that era like i was a stand-in i'm on our project uh-huh. 86 cover i'm on the gi gigantic or whatever that album cover was oh uh, yeah a handful, and uh-huh. you're on you're on an every time i die cover that we oh, did that's right. yeah. oh yeah um right. i'm on an element 101 cover your wife's on haste today oh yeah my exactly. wife's on haste today mm-hmm. my wife's also on poor old lou i'm also on um, a terror cover. Uh, Don um, is on the Starflyer. Don's on Starflyer. Don's also on TFK Phenomenon. So it was yeah. We just used whoever was around and hadn't been used, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. too much, and so we just shot all the photos everybody ourselves. Everybody in the staff was a model and made yeah. it on at least five. It was super DIY. Super DIY. But yeah, hey, so that's no. A, which makes it, it better, probably. It makes it more fun and real mm-hmm. and memorable as opposed to not. But I guess I mean that stuff almost. Do y'all think that's totally gone? Like the artwork on CD covers is just whatever at this point in life? 
Ryan Ryan still does a. I still a do bit. it. I still do a little bit. Not like I used to. You did some Foo Fighters work. Did you make Dave Grohl buy the supplies for the shoot? <laughs> yeah, he bought the bomb on the cover. <laughs> Come, on. Yeah. Come on, Dave, go down and buy us bomb. He bought that bowl. <laughs> the, the world's hey, let me, definitely let me, changed. Let me tell y'all a story that y'all definitely huh? never heard about your cover work. So I was doing youth ministry around the time when Emory and Demon Hunter were exploding. And every time Toby, Matt, and Devin, and all those guys come into town, Toby gives me some merchandise because he knew that would make me happy, some stickers and all that stuff. So we had a tithe and offer box in the youth room where we would we just loaded it up with band stickers well one of them was a demon hunter sticker and so at our church we also had these crazy uh, i'll just call them crazy prayer ladies who would go around the church praying over things and stuff and one of them came over to me panicked and and said will you please come into the youth room and i was like yeah yeah she pointed to the demon hunter sticker and she said what does that mean and i was like well it's just a band their name is demon hunter they're christians you know like demon hunter and she said it well it looks very demonic and i was like oh Okay. And so I leave the, you know, I just kind of ignored her. I, I walked away. I come, I come back to check on them. They are outside. They had peeled it off and they're burning the demon hunter sticker. <laughs> what? <laughs> they set it on fire. They peeled off the demon hunter sticker and set it yes. ablaze. And I was pissed. I was just like, you can't mess with our stickers. And I just told you as a Christian Good band, Lord. you're freaking burning the sticker. <laughs> they, they did exactly what a devil worshiper would do. <laughs> uh, two things on that real Real quick, number one, uh, that touches on two of the things we told Matt not to talk about on this uh, podcast with us. Which is what? Uh, are we Christian and where the band name come from? Right, right. We are. <laughs> and number, number two, Joey, Joey just cut off Ryan Clark from answering a question. Gra- right. Grammy nominated and leader of yeah. Focal Point. Uh, training for Utopia and Demon, but that's oh. cool, Joey. Like you do your thing or whatever. It's just well, it's just Ryan I, over here. Don't worry about it. No. Yeah, I apologize, Ryan. I'm kind of going in and out here, so go ahead. My bad. <laughs> no, he, does, he doesn't even. Remember oh, it it's and, it's fine. And, and just to get y'all off the hook with the Christian thing, that literally was like a good 15 years ago. So y'all could have lost your salvation. <laughs> so maybe and, they believe it now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, you know what's really funny? I'm glad you brought that up, though, John. Honestly, I know Joey's just an asshole, but uh, I mean, I think Training for Utopia is the first hardcore band I ever heard in my life. And Joey showed me them. Yep. And That's I was right. like, what in the world is this? Like, it was so Was that New York City's shocking. overrated? Was that it? Yes. That's yes. the oh, first yeah. thing and I ever And heard, I yep. thought, I, I could not understand. I, I promise you, like, I, I'd grown up on, like, the craziest stuff I'd heard was like Silverchair and Nirvana. Like I'd never, and you know, I mean, that was wild in me growing up. And this is college, and, and that shows you how old I was at the time where I started hearing this. And I remember hearing Training for Utopia, and and I couldn't understand that I liked it. <laughs> like I know that sounds crazy, but like I, I couldn't understand that. What is this? It was so crazy. It was like a whole thing that I couldn't believe was real. Like it, okay. Part of it was because I've always been a singer, and and you know I've uh, I, I, you know and I I value great singing, and so to hear somebody just like in my opinion like just destroying their vocal cords, and and at the same time it being honestly I guess I don't know if the word's melodic, but uh, in in a way that made me go holy cow this is crazy, and and, and then from there it, it went but I mean like it, it's so crazy that. The, my introduction to hardcore music was totally Tooth and Nail Records and totally like you guys. Like I guess that's pre Demon Hunter, but that that stuff totally 
uh, set the stage for me being able to enjoy hardcore music without without like training for Utopia and, and maybe Zayo and stuff like that. Like I would have never even been able to listen to it. I I, I was uh, like I thought it was I, I, screaming music was like a joke or something. Like it, it must be a guy that can't sing. And then I was like, oh wait a minute, it takes a lot of talent and it's something unbelievable. And that's you know that that led into. Like it was an influence for Emory, even some of that. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Do you remember that track? New York City. Yeah, New York City's. That's yeah. that's interesting because that was kind of like late in our career or whatever you want to call it. Really? Um, and it was. Yeah, you're not thinking of the right CD, Toby. Just just FYI. No, that's the one I heard. That's what I remember. But I think. Yeah, well, that's that, what I remember. The, that the was first heart. The first hardcore CD you heard was Zayo's Joey. Just first. please let Ryan talk. Just let Ryan My talk. God, <laughs> he's doing everything he can. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, that was the last thing that we put out. Um, that was actually a very odd record, um, stylistically. We had never done anything that's sounded remotely like that before that. We got really into, um, electronically tinged Mm -hmm. hardcore stuff, which, um, is kind of few and far between. Back then it was, we were really into a band called Atari Teenage Riot, um, which if you go back and listen to their records, you'll really hear that. That, especially that TFU record, uh, throwing a wrench into the American Music Machine, you will see where we got that from. But they were niche enough to where you know we could kind of get away with doing what they were doing, and people wouldn't notice. But we also mixed it with kind of a little bit of hardcore. Anyway, that um, your sentiment on being introduced to hardcore or Christian hardcore, or whatever, through TFU is a popular one, but. Really? Um, it's funny because I want to know what, like, where were all you people when we were actually playing? Because <laughs> we used to play to like two people. You've heard of ahead of your time before, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were twenty years old. The first time we even heard people screaming. Yeah. As music, I mean, that's just how goofy where we came from. Right, is. right. But that is true, and we're like, totally. oh, so hearing what Dave Bazan was doing and what you were doing for us was like a permission slip. So so you're telling me we can do whatever we want to yeah. do? Is that true? <laughs> That's, That's awesome. what it felt like. It's like you can do that? You can do that? Like you won't get in trouble or it's not wrong <laughs> or I just you, go just, to hell? you can just make up an idea that that nobody's ever had and try it. I mean that that's what yeah. it, that's what it felt like to me. Well, that's that's I cool. I mean we you know, we were learning from other people, so it's just it's funny to hear that like we were the first part of the chain for some people, you know, cuz by that time we yeah, were absolutely we were already yeah. kind of building on stuff that we'd heard from all kinds of other bands. Coalesce had, had far predated us, even Converge, uh, yeah. Botch, um, and, mm. and then like a slew of other, you know, more niche bands like Swing Kids Nora. and Spanacorzo yeah. and all these crazy like little San Diego bands and stuff. So for us, that was like late in the game. Um but yeah, it's cool to hear that like that was the first thing for yeah. some people. So I want to talk a bunch more about Demon Hunter, but first we got to take a quick spot and do a couple of uh, of ad spots. So y'all sit tight one more second, and I want to tell you about Seat Geek. If you got to go to the bathroom, you can do that or whatever you got to do. Okay, so Seat Geek is awesome. So buying tickets to sports and concerts, uh, it can be really complicated to be honest. And there's a better and simpler way to do it. And of course, it's SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just a couple of taps. So SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and they're fully guaranteed. And there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or 
your favorite band in person. It, there, there really is nothing like that. It's worth doing. If you're a couch potato, you need to get out of the house. You need to take your wife. You need to go on a date. You need to go by yourself. Whatever it is, you should go experience real stuff in real life. So I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way that I've found to shop for tickets for anything. Take my daughters to a Mariners game, or I can go go to a concert that I want to go to, just with a few taps. I can instantly find the seats. And um, I use SeatGeek to... I I've, I used it last season to go to some Mariners games, and I'm very looking forward to it now that it's uh, baseball season is back. That's my favorite thing to do, is go sit at the ballpark with my daughters. And uh, my new daughter was born between the off season. She's never been to a sporting event. So I get the privilege of taking her to her first sporting event very soon. And we get a plaque when we go to the stadium, if you take the first timer there. So I'm excited about it. And SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching for multiple ticket sites to compare the prices and find me the cheapest deal. Cause it is a privilege to have a daughter and take her to the ballpark, but I still need it to be cheap. So you need to get SeatGeek uh, and you can make sure to, to go that's your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports to concerts, comedy, theater, whatever it is. So best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. If you just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BADCHRISTIAN today, that's promo code BADCHRISTIAN, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Toby? All right, 23 miles. 23 miles. I have three kids and a wife, and 23 miles really gets me. And the reason why is because that's how far it is from the airport to my house. And trying to get there through traffic and all that stuff and with my family has been such a hassle, and that is where Lyft comes in. It has been such a relief to have this amazing company work for me, basically, um, and take me to and from the airport, to and from downtown. Uh, I live outside of Nashville, 23 miles, and it's just so nice and easy and quick. I mean, I, you get rides so fast, it's it's kind of uh, unbelievable. I, I mean, it, 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 a few years ago, I would have called it a miracle. So if, if you've tried Lyft, you know what I mean. With Lyft, you just download the app, request a driver, and literally they show up in like three and a half minutes on average. That is so Fast. Every Lyft driver is fully vetted through their 10-point safety standard, including criminal and DMV background checks. So I know my wife's going to be okay. I know she's going to be taken care of. I know my kids are going to be taken care of. I don't have to worry that some dude's taking my wife uh, to downtown Nashville and I don't know what's happening. No, with Lyft, safety, safety, safety. Lyft drivers are rated after every ride, so only the best stick around. And you don't have to worry about getting into a filthy car with some creepy dude. With Lyft, you also can tip in the app, which I really like, uh, which obviously leads to happier drivers. And I mean, 9 out of 10 Lyft rides get perfect five-star ratings. So right now, Lyft is offering our listeners a special deal. Get three free rides up to $10 each. That's a up to a $30 value when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Just download the free Lyft app today and enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN in the payment section, you'll start with three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to a $30 value. When I was doing my last True Man event, uh, when one of the dudes left, he was like, hey, thank you guys for letting me get this this free ride to my, back to my hotel. I was like, this is so awesome. So Lyft, do it now. Promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Ready to go. Awesome. 
Hey, I got a question for all of y'all. So we were talking about Training for Utopia, and I was thinking other bands such as Society's Finest, uh, Spitfire, and then, so I'm thinking Demon Hunter, Norma Jean, Under Oath, Emery, just, just a few bands, and the big distinction there is that the latter names that I that I just called out really took off, went somewhere, got a lot of exposure and what I'm curious about, because I listen to a lot of those old school bands that really kind of, you know, not not to knock them, but as far as exposure, never really went anywhere. What What is the difference there? Are we talking luck, like an mm-hmm. image that they brought, uh, a brand of music? What What makes Demon Hunter Demon Hunter and, and nobody really knows about society's finest? It has to do with the... Uh, what the scene was at the time the it used to be a niche thing it used to be a pocket thing it was a small zine based um little kind of diy scene and as that started to grow um both in the christian world and and in the general market um those scenes became just larger in general so it was, you know, in metalcore, it was when bands like Killswitch Engage kind of blew the doors open for every single band behind them. Um, and then, you know, there was a kind of a band that ushered in every single aspect of this stuff. Like the biggest hardcore bands back in the 90s would have been like Earth Crisis and Snapcase. Yeah. And yeah. even them back then might have sold like 20, 30,000 records. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, um, you know, bands like AFI start selling like 500,000 records that, and the people that, you know, were 16 at the time, all of a sudden are in their mid twenties or thirties. They're still buying records. Um, they're having kids, whatever. And, and that, that scene's just kind of growing and spreading and it's becoming more of a normality, um, stylistically, um, that that's when the record sales and the success starts happening. Um, so timing totally. It's, it's a paved the way situation, right? Yeah. Like it, it can't be just that those bands weren't as good no. as we are. I mean, that, no. that cannot be the answer. No, because there was, I mean, when when Training for Utopia was playing like noise core, there was like a ceiling on the amount of people that would buy or listen yeah. to a noise core record. But when Norma Jean was playing noise core, there was, a, there was this whole new um, market for it, uh, you know, fueled by Warp Tour, fueled by mm-hmm. um, all kinds of other uh, other things. Well, teenage girls might be the key to it. Yeah, I, you know, I remember. You know, <laughs> that, that came a little later. But yeah, yeah, it came a little later. But I'm saying the the apex of this thing is there's some point in history where screaming. All right, I'll give you two two. Here's the two examples I'd use: is uh, Hawthorne Heights and Thousand Foot Crutch. I've had people when we were doing our stuff in this era come up when those bands had come on the scene and I couldn't I just couldn't understand it but there would be young teenage girls come up to me and say oh I love this hardcore music I just love hardcore music so much I love you guys and oh my gosh TFK is so hardcore and Hawthorne Heights have you and I'm like whoa like this is a 14-year-old girl, and she thinks, I love the breakdowns and just how hardcore TFK is. They was, I'm like, wow, we've come a long mm-hmm. way. It became and more And that's not a knock on those too. bands, but yeah. there was a time when we were screaming where the only comment we would get is, please stop doing that. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> right. You know how to sing. They would tell Toby, you know how to sing. Yeah, and to, Why would you do that? And to fuel your point, 
the longer Demon Hunter has been around, the larger the female audience has been. Mm-hmm. Early, early yeah. on, yeah. <clears throat> You exactly mean weight or the larger? Crowd like size. they just gained weight or what? <laughs> yeah, don't li- if you're on a diet, don't listen to Demon Hunter. It's gonna so go John. John, what do you what do you think if Toby and Matt or whoever put weeks end in your hands? Let's say they did. They did. Yeah. They did. They did that, they did that in 1996. Okay. And then you give that to Brandon Abel. You think, I mean, because for sure people would listen to it and be like, "My lord, this is some really neat music," but. We're not sitting 96, here. No, that wouldn't have happened in '96. That happened. I mean, they, they, it would have just felt weird. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, in but they, 2002. Be, but '96, uh, that wouldn't have happened. No. But what I'm saying is, there'd be a small crowd to be like, "Whoa, this is really cool." Yeah. And then later on, somebody would pick up where they left and blow up. Sure, and I think that's exactly what Ryan was talking about with Snapcase, yeah. Earthquake, yeah. Crisis, and stuff like that. For for me, it was Living Sacrifice when I yeah. heard Living Sacrifice Reborn. Oh, that, that changed so good. everything for me. <clears throat> and Living Sacrifice has never, you know, seen the success Demon Hunter no, has. Yeah. Which right. is a shame because Living Sacrifice is amazing. Is it almost and like they've been around since the eighties? Like, should, should we pay back taxes or reparations? <laughs> yeah, totally. To these yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I feel like every royalty check there yeah. should be like ten percent that goes to be. Living Sacrifice. Like that wouldn't sacrifice. be that crazy of an idea. Yeah, but when they toured, you know, they yeah. were playing for twenty people and they were throwing beer bottles and spitting at them and booing them and all that shit. And yeah. they they paved the road for what Demon Hunter is doing now. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we we absolutely owe back taxes to yeah. living sacrifice. I mean, it's not we, even just that they were, like, they were doing something that was amazing and new and unique, and it wasn't even working for them. Yeah. Like, oh, just yeah. barely working for yeah. them. So they were, you yeah. know, like, it, it's easy to be the end thing now and do the thing that's working. That's yeah. way easier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so if Bruce happens to listen to this, like, mm-hmm. man, Thanks, Bruce. Ryan has a different story, <laughs> but Bruce fits you in Living Sacrifice for me. Like I, I don't know if I would have ever ended up working at Tooth and Nail and Solid State, mm-hmm. signing Emery, playing in Demon Hunter. All the things that happened in my life, I don't know if that would have happened without without uh, Living yeah. Sacrifice. And especially, I feel guilty coming into it at this time to where it worked and continues to work. So yeah. we're we're making our seventh LP soon, but you guys yeah. are on your eighth. Is that? This yeah, is this your is eight. eight. So yeah. let's talk about that. Good it's it's Outlive is the name of it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, what we're, is the, we're out, outliving you. Yeah, you're yeah. way ahead of us. <laughs> but So Outlive is the eighth Demon Hunter full length. Yep. Insane. It's, yeah, it's totally insane. Like, and I saw a post today. I, you can tell me. Remind, it won't be bragging, but tell me the stats on what you were able to do first week on your eighth, which is unprecedented where we come from, that a band would be around this long and release that many records. But tell me the stats on, on what this has done this last week. Um, it was, I, I believe, where it ended up on Billboard is, I mean, the charts these days are so convoluted, but I think the top 200, the regular just Billboard top 200, I think it landed at 25. Um, but albums that came out that week, which is called like the new release, the, it's number eight there. It's number one Damn. on the indie chart. Um, and that's because nice. Mastodon is on Warner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so because Mastodon uh, came out the same week, we're number two uh, on rock and number two on hard music. Well, that's a good company to be in. Toby yeah. was been oh, listening yeah. to that and says it's great. I uh, Mastodon's it, yeah. great, yeah. Couldn't happen to... I know, I, mean, I never listened to anything like that. That's what I was going to say. Like, I just... It's funny, like y'all y'all are talking about the music that you're creating, and and now, like what we were saying was, maybe at the time, like when you, were, when you started training for Utopia... 
nobody was ready for it, but maybe now all maybe doors now are open. Ready. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm sure they were really, Now they realize, wait a minute. minds will be yeah. blown. Yeah, it's just the place so, and time. Like, it took all kinds of different... It's, there's not one, like, simple way to, to, to quantify it. It's like all these different things came to play and all these different people started listening to it or started being open to it, um, you know, hardcore or screaming or whatever it is. And it kind of all happened at the same time. And then everyone started having their day, you know. Um, refused to put out songs to fan the flames of discontent on Victory. And, you know, they were, they were just another small hardcore band on Victory. Yeah. And then they put out Shape of Punk to Come, and they're massive. And it was like that was the right time for them to put out that record. And it's not that the Shape of Punk to Come is that much better than Songs to Fan the Flames. It's just that that's, they hit the, you know, the nail on the head exactly at the right time. And they ushered in a whole... You know, they kind of helped usher in a whole style of music as well. So, what did you guys find? Uh, like, did y'all explode with your first album in, in '02? Like, was that a, a lot of success there, similar to Weeks End? More, more than we thought. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was by far um, more than we thought. And really, that what happened with that record was why we're why we even did a second record. Honestly, we could have done that record and it and it could have just been what it was at the time, which was just kind of a fun concept idea, mm-hmm. just something that we wanted to do. Um, we had quit doing TFU in 1999. We moved to Seattle and then we kind of got the bug to start writing music and playing music again. Um, and so we did this we did this band with really no expectations at all. We actually, you know, I designed the logo before we even started writing music and we we started selling t-shirts before we had written a song um and so the whole thing was just kind of like this experiment and when it came out um you know pr- we pretty quickly sold like 30,000 units which back then was huge Ew. huge yeah um, humongous we booked our first tour it was only like 20 dates but most of the shows were sold out and we were just kind of like floored and we had no idea what what to do with it but to just keep it going and then it's just progressed from there and let me give a side note on that is uh that was right when we started and it was uh what, what was it josh head did what went with you guys oh, on yeah, that tour yeah. not uh-huh, with yeah. us yeah. right yeah. What, what did josh do did he do sound or was he doing merch or he did sound he yeah he okay did so josh head <laughs> did sound for demon hunter on their first tour which culminated with playing at cornerstone 2004 Three, four, three, three. Two thousand three. Josh Head was just now kind of being in our band. He's like, well, I'm gonna go with Demon Hunter and do sound and merch and stuff. <laughs> Rides with them, meets us at Cornerstone for our first Cornerstone. We we toured out there without him, and then he met because he was going with them, and then we played on the right. Cornerstone, and Josh showed up. He had been on the road with Demon Hunter for two weeks, <laughs> and we'd been on tour with Emory for two weeks, but then he shows up and just jumps on stage. He gets done doing sound with them and gets on stage with us and does our first Cornerstone, and then we get signed and go on from there is what I remember about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was either hey, so- our, our first tour or it might have been our second tour mm-hmm. that he was on. Yeah. That might have been. With X-Toll is what it was, right? Well, that that, was, that the would have been the first one on. then. Yeah. yeah, it was X-Toll. Yeah, That's yeah. what it was, I remember. Because he, to this day, won't shut up about X-Toll. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. awesome. it, was a pretty, it was a pretty awesome first tour, Bill. Oh, yeah. It was great. The, the only awkwardness of that tour, if you remember, is X-Toll showed up, and I don't think anyone had told him they were support. Oh, uh, that's right. For real? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, they thought they were headlining yeah. and weren't? 
Yeah. For a band that had never pl- played shows or We'd never before. played a show before. They had before. to support yeah. them. <laughs> had been around for like 10 years. Yeah, yes. and they're amazing musicians, yeah, too. And way better musicians than any of us will ever be. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we're headlining, you know, for this little band, Demon, or opening or whatever. And yep. the first night it was like, oh, no, you're playing second, oh, which was super awkward, especially for these amazing, talented yeah. dudes who'd and yeah, there, and there was a little years. bit of a language barrier too, so that made it extra odd. Well, Emery, you guys, Matt and Toby, y'all, we probably won't mention the band's name, but I remember a band that we grew up in college listening to, and Toby told me, "Yeah, they had an opportunity to open up for us, and they literally said we're not going to do it. We should be headlining." And I was like, "Gosh!" I, I immediately, my whole attitude about them changed. I was like, "What kind of dickhead would pass that up?" It was crazy. But I don't that's, remember that's who that was. Was yeah, I don't it's got to be. It was either. I'll tell y'all later. It, it's well, got to be. Why wouldn't you say it now? Is <laughs> Branston? That's okay oh. to say. Yeah, that is true. I do remember that. But yeah, Branston that is was a band that we loved. But, but that's mean, a so tough I, pill to swallow, man, because of the exact thing that you guys are talking about. Is is they're just like, man, we we've, we've been playing shows five mm-hmm. more years than yeah, these and we guys, the and, and their music. I mean, is we, we influ- copied them unbelievable. Exactly. And so yeah, I can exactly. understand why they would think that some new band comes in, does this thing, and it's working now for them, and now they want us to su- they want us to support them. But yeah, exactly. I guess we yeah, were, you can't change that reality. You just can't change that reality. There's nothing we could do about it. But well, I understand their point of view well, the, there. Well, the trick is they're all flying from Norway, and somehow yes. nobody has oh, communicated this yeah. to them. So right. they're like, oh, sweet, we got three three weeks headlining in the U.S. or whatever. No, they were, they were supporting, and somehow that message never happened. And our Yikes. first show was their, like, 500th show. So totally awkward. So I watched today the well, – uh, Yeah, yeah. I watched today the documentary thing. Is it what do you call that? Is it a documentary? Yeah, it's like a short form a documentary. Short documentary. Is it out and what's the release of that? I got to watch it at least. So yeah, right now it's just allocated to the deluxe edition box sets that okay. we did. Um so there's thirty five hundred of those uh, around. Um uh but our plan is not necessarily to keep it exclusive to that, but to let the people who bought that have it exclusively yeah. for a while mm-hmm. before releasing it um, to everyone else. So um, still don't know exactly when it'll go up, but mm-hmm. hopefully pretty soon. Well, I enjoyed watching it, and it was it was really cool because I remember when you were shooting it because it was downstairs under, like you literally shot it under the floor that we're sitting over today, mm-hmm. and you had the whole set decorated on that psych wall, and it was all the stuff, and they told us, you got to be quiet. They're shooting this thing, so we were quiet for that day and everything. It was cool to see it today. But what I really liked about it was you guys really got into some stuff about who you guys are personality-wise and whatever, and you said something right at the very top of it that's exactly where I feel like I'm at right now, which is you were just saying that you write all your songs almost all about death, and you think about that all the time. And for me... uh that's never been something I've thought about or at all is death at all until a couple things happened. I had kids and soon as they Mm -hmm. existed in the womb, I've been obsessed with death. And then even recently my mom has died. And so now I'm just like, Whoa. And this has all happened in the last three and a half years Mm -hmm. where I've never considered really dark thoughts or deaths or morbid stuff at all. And I'm only speaking for me. Toby's been preoccupied with it probably his entire (laughs) life, but um, it's brand new to me. And then, you know, you guys talking about that and talking about Jeremiah, the craziest thing in in there too is, you know, Jeremiah, your guitar player and producer, he had twins and I was, I, I can't tell you how uncomfortable I got um, when he started talking about it. Cause I was thinking, what if this doesn't end well? Like just a few moments of suspense of, 
I, right. I didn't know how that was going to go. And I, mm-hmm. I had, and this is not like me at all, but I had like real nervousness. Like I was like, oh no, is something bad going to happen here? And that's what I feel like I live with now is fear. And I mm-hmm. never have had it in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand how it resonates and stuff with people. But I thought it was really neat to do that. But is that, is that, have you always been that way? Are you obsessed with death? Do you think about it? Is it a, like, I, I I would say it's new to me, but I'm interested in the topic now. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't think about it as much as you would think I do, based on lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's something I like to explore in songs, um, just because it's great. I mean, it's just great material. It's like endless material, um, and there's a million ways to spin it, and there's a million ways to kind of like dig into it. Um, and it, like I said in the in the documentary, it's also just, it's like therapy for me. And, and when I do think about death, um, to be able to write something and like solidify something, like, you know, kind of carve it in stone by putting it on a song, um, it's, it's in order for me to kind of cope with the idea that I am terrified of it um, and totally not ready for it. And mm-hmm. all those kind of like what I think are pretty common human fears about death, um, a lot of me singing about it or, or just like doing the work of, of doing that kind of internal looking um, is me just trying to cope with the concept of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of just like personal therapy for me to, to write about it. Dude, yeah, I, watched the, I, I watched the documentary today and it was just like, I, I thought, okay, hell yeah. I'm going to watch uh, a short little film here about hardcore dudes and how badass they are and and it's just going to be awesome and then i'm like uh one minute 45 seconds in or something like that maybe maybe two or three minutes and i'm tearing up because you (laughs) motherfuckers get sad as hell and all the shit you start saying is unreal and i'm like it's shit this thing, like, and then I was just glued. Like, yeah, I, I, I thought, terrified. okay, I'm preparing me. for a podcast. That's what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, I'm glued to my phone watching this documentary where I'm like, holy shit, you guys got real. Like, I, I recommend it to anybody. Like, I, I know it's, it's limited edition right now, but I just thought, what? Like, I mean, the stuff your band has gone through. I yep. can't believe it. It's like like the trials of Job or something. Uh, kind of. Yeah. I, I know that sounds crazy. Like I'm exaggerating, but like you guys have been through some stuff. And as real as you are, and honest as you guys all are, and and allow yourself to be that way on camera. I mean, I was blown away. Like I I, mm-hmm. I just thought it was great. I I really could not turn it off. I thought it was. I, I mean, like some of the stuff that you guys have been through. And that's why I was going to lead into the next question. Did that. The stuff that you guys have, have been through, did that lead into how you wrote this record? I I would definitely say this is the most personable we've been as a band mm-hmm. with this documentary. Uh, you know, we did a full-length documentary in 2005. We had a crew out with us filming on tour and stuff like that, and that's a great piece, but... It was really more about the fans than yeah. It was that's about making us. yourself like the first time you do something like that. You want to say, just try to look like you're big, and it's all this. It stuff wasn't even whatever, that. It was just like, look at these fan stories because yeah. we'd get these emails daily, and it still happens. Mm-hmm. You'd get these insane of like, my friend died in a car crash, and they played your song at the funeral, and their headstone is engraved with your lyrics. Like, and I'm not exaggerating. That's yeah, real no, thing. Sure. So right. that documentary was definitely way more about like this crazy stuff mm-hmm. happens apart 
from us kind of a deal. And that documentary turned out awesome. <clears throat> but this is kind of the first time anywhere public we've all like kind of shared our dirty laundry or what we've gone through. And I would hope people are moved by it because yeah, we've they will be. We've we've all gone through some crazy stuff over the last two three years since yeah. the last record, and Brian yeah. can talk more about that. But, that's but not where notwithstanding, it comes into this it. isn't a bad thing, but nonetheless an intense thing. Y'all have had a children explosion because Jeremiah mm-hmm. had twins and they were premature at like twenty. What was twenty six weeks or twenty five weeks? weeks. Yeah. And uh, you have one kid mm-hmm. and John. Now, this is true, everybody. I don't know why John Dunn is here right now. Because you had a new child how many days ago? Uh, Four days ago. Okay, 96 hours ago, (laughs) he was in the delivery room having a baby, and here he sits right now, which is a little bit, you know, it it makes me look bad because I sure as heck wouldn't be here. Right, but anyone that's newborn knows this is way more relaxing than being at home with a screaming (laughs) newborn. (laughs) And and so y'all had a a kid explosion and some tragedy stuff too, but how many kids do y'all have now? Um, Between the... Five of us, we went from zero to seven between albums, or at least between Dang. albums, you went from zero to seven. Well, right, I've never seen I like exploded. to say that, although that's a little bit of a stretch. Right before Extremist, Jeremiah had the twins, and then after that, between albums, literally five, but there were two that just predated yeah. Extremist. So, and they came early. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they came early. <laughs> exactly. Way early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's been seven. I mean, that's part. That's a huge part of what made so much of this dramatic stuff that happened to us you know it, it's a the lot Yogi's of it's based house around down is another one that's in there yeah and i what, remember when that happened i was like oh my god yeah and that yeah, in of it right. in and of itself is like insane but then you added to that story the fact that they were like two days away from having a baby mm-hmm. and so like you know they brought their baby home to a hotel room that's the the kids make yes, all these right. things just right. so intense even the things that weren't about the kids themselves which like obviously jeremiah's daughter that was all about her and um even those things that that weren't necessarily based on the children it's like you you enter the children into those kind it's of scenarios just, and it just makes it so much crazier. Yeah, it's just the craziest thing. It makes everything so much more intense. It's like, and I don't have a good explanation for this, but I would like to have more kids, but it's so scary. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just terrifying. so scary. Yeah. That it makes me scared to do it. Like, uh-huh. just because I know I'll, how much I'll worry from the first time that the, is positive until, until forever. Yeah. Like, that's like, it's just an amount of worry in my life. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, it's pretty I, but crazy, it, but it's only worry because of how much it's good, and that's just—it's just terrifying to even to yep. even consider. And it's, a, it's I can't imagine a band going from zero to seven kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that's crazy. Hey, the, well, uh, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, ahead. I was just gonna ask: Are are these rumors true? Or because everything I read, it says allegedly. Is this stuff true about military folks that went after Bin Laden, like wearing demon hunter patches and listening to y'all's music to get? Yeah, hyped what's the story up? on that? I heard that and ask you guys it, but there's a. So Toby, Toby just walked out. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> so, he's so pissed. He, he hates the military. He really yeah. hates. There's America. a there's a lot of. That in of in and of itself could be like a two hour conversation, but I will say that um, it we've had a str- very strong military following since the inception of the band, um, and we've done everything that we could to support military by sending care packages and being in contact with these people. And um, 
there was a an article that was published by Esquire magazine about the quote unquote shooter back before his name was public, yeah. um, in which he talks about Demon Hunter. Um, a little bit of that article and a little bit of how we're talked about in that article is very controversial. Um, and so, or has become very controversial. And so we issued a, a, a statement about it um, shortly thereafter, and we didn't do any interviews or anything for a while on it because it was very um, touchy, a uh, yeah. very touchy subject, and be, it could be taken out of context really easily. Which I, if I could pause you for a second, we had Fox News, MSNBC, like all the biggies. Asking you for comment. Asking us for comment. And Bad Christian is about to get the first comment. You don't have to die. You're about to get, actually, you're just leading up. what CNN and MSNBC couldn't get. Actually, I'm just leading up to the Fifth Amendment. I'm not going to tell you guys much. But we issued a a statement that basically said, here's what transpired. Here's, you know, our part in it. But to answer your question more directly, yes, as far as we know, SEAL Team 6 all wore Demon Hunter patches. Um, the guy said in the article that he was wearing one. He quote-unquote was wearing his patch when he blasted Bin Laden. Um, oh, wow. But we have, <laughs> we have an older photo <clears throat> that probably predates that Bin Laden thing by about three or four years of six or seven guys that all have their Demon Hunter patches on. And they're all special forces because they have giant beards and they're all wearing glasses, but they're in fatigues. Um, and we're fairly sure it's SEAL Team 6 or at least part of them or something. Whoa. It's never been, you know, um, we've never known exactly, but uh, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, we, so. we met uh, what we assume was SEAL Team 6, at least part of it, in Florida while we were on tour which I believe is where they got the patches that they were wearing, because during that tour, we had made some patches specifically <clears throat> for military mm-hmm. people. could go up to our merch table, show their ID, we'd give them uh, a patch, and assumably that's the patch that we're made in, wearing, and we met some of them in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume, again, a lot of it's really vague, but, um, yeah, if you, if you, like, couple weeks ago i searched just hashtag demon hunter on uh instagram Mm -hmm. and you know the uh proclaimed shooter of osama bin laden like recently had posted another photo of him and the patch and had hashtag demon hunter popped up on it and we totally 100 percent support the military support the people that promote our freedom all that kind of stuff we obviously have nothing to do with what their assignments are or what they do or what <laughs> we, we can't, you know, don't blame <laughs> us for, you know, bombing Syria or whatever. We're not in those joint, yeah. you know, you're on the, you're and, on the, and, and I wanted to say too, I even saw council to Trump. I know. Yeah. That. We're not on that advisory. You're on the council. Right. I get it. So don't right. blame us. Yeah, I even saw the people, what, what, the people that when Trump put his hand on the Bible. He had a demon hunter patch. Trump on wears a demon yeah. hunter. Yeah. He, yeah I know he does. I've seen it. Yeah. Sure. Still team six, but Trump has a patch. So, so that's and the y'all trick, like the people that are securing our freedom following orders like we support them 100% like no uh-huh. question about it the only that's fact amazing. that we can sit here and have mm-hmm. this conversation is because of our freedom that is supported by wow. those people 
what they have to do and the people that make those decisions, we have nothing mm-hmm. to do with. So Except for right. for if Trump launches a nuclear strike, the only person in protocol yeah, he, he has to contact is Ryan. That's right. true. And then yeah, he right. can yeah. move forward. So Ryan has <laughs> half the code, I have the other half of the code, so he texts both right. of us. You have to share it. Sometimes it's I a retinal scan. But. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty amazing, though, that people that would put their life on the line uh, go to your music. You know what I mean? Like, like that. Yeah, like that, it, that has to be pretty. Like, doesn't uh, yeah. that have to be like a uh, like an honor to you guys? Yeah, like that somebody would would use stuff. your music to like help them get through maybe the worst time of their life. Yeah, and that's the craziest stuff. We'll get photos of like F-18s with bombs on the side, and they've stenciled you know our logo mm, on the side yikes, of those bombs man. and tanks, wow. and you know tattoos are unbelievable. How many military guys have tattoos? But you know some of the craziest stuff is. You know, there's guys in whatever Baghdad that had emailed us, and they were driving in tanks, and they're like at anti-terrorism force, just driving in a tank, trying to piss people off so that they would shoot at them so they could take care of terrorists. And they're like, yeah, we played Demon Hunter while we're driving down the streets of Baghdad in our tank just to piss people off to shoot at us so we know who the terrorists are because they're pissed off by your music. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Insane. Really is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. I, I still have a picture uh, where there's three army dudes that came. They, I think they live in Ohio. I don't know if you remember this, Matt, but we played a little show and they came out. And I just was so blown away that they, they cared so much that when they were in Iraq, it was like a, a uh, they were in a, I mean, just the most uh, war-torn area or whatever. But uh, they uh, they spray painted Emory on the side of a wall. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> they said they, they wrote, took a like, picture with rocks it. Iraq or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Thing in Iraq. And I was yeah, like, that's, that's just why. I, I just, it, I mean, it really is amazing that your music, like, when you write your music, of course you want it to be emotional and you want it to connect and do all those things. But literally, like, I mean, you guys are helping people that are volunteering their lives for their country and that your music's just reaching them. I just think that's so amazing. I, I just think that's so, just. Uh, really what an honor for sure yeah it's insane and out of joint lewis uh down south in federal way of yeah. washington i don't know if it's still around but there was the 13th brigade if i got it right you can correct me 13th brigade of the airborne rangers named themselves the demon hunters was <laughs> <Wow>. their like, <laughs> crew and That's they had sent us some sweatshirts and it's our you know demon hunt hunter logo with the bullet hole and all that and it says demon hunter 13 brigade all that kind of stuff i don't know if that's still the banner they're going after but a whole yeah. brigade of airborne rangers are going after the demon hunters and seal team six wearing mm-hmm. patches and stuff like that is insane they it's were crazy. the demon hunters but the the runner-up choice that they were going to name themselves was the ponytail paraders yeah they but were. It didn't, it just demon the demon hunters yeah, one, right? hey totally hey was was, it, was it the was a or- toss up between uh the question or uh demon hunters but hey is the origin of y'all's name is that one of the off-limit things yes, yes it's off-limits yes. permanently okay. off-limits okay. for okay. every possible if band. you if you read any any interview with demon hunter ryan addresses that yep. one every right. single nice. time and he gets hey, more and more pissed off each time. So. Hey, uh, appease appease my old school ears. What's uh, your favorite how, demon? How, <laughs> how long was uh, how long was Jesse Sprinkle in the band? Uh, Jesse Sprinkle was in the band for the first record, the first tour, and then the second record. Nice. And then when we toured on the second record, uh, that's when Yogi started. 
He is a fun drummer. He really is. That young man is a fun drummer. I actually saw him open up for Starflyer 59 in 1993, and all he had was a snare drum, a bass drum, and cymbals, and it was really cool. Mm -hmm. That's my um, story. I can tell you a bit of trivia that you probably don't even know about early uh, early Demon Hunter, which is that um, Jesse Smith from Zao was actually the first person to drum on a Demon Hunter song. No way. Are you <laughs> oh, that's serious? Awesome. That's yeah. True. So he he did the first thing that we ever released was a early version of Through the Black on the uh, This is Solid State sampler like number 4 or 5 or something. And that version of that song is Jesse Smith playing. That's awesome. That is amazing. Do you, I, that, do you it, dare talk about no? No, it'll be ten years from now. We'll get and to it, that yeah, one. we'll get there later. He's yeah. having too much. Read the uh, tell-all book, and then yeah. we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Toby, so could the, you do a, a new story for us before we get out of here? Oh yeah, yeah. But but do you want to say the name of the album again one more time yeah. and all that good stuff? Yeah. We've got Outlive. It's out. It's been out just over a week. And congratulations to all Thank the success on it. It really is awesome. And I've listened to some of it, and I do think uh, you did a great job, and Jeremiah did a super good job yeah. on it. I'm very, I think it's wonderful, and yeah. I'm sure everybody's going to like it. Or, I mean, I, I don't even have to say that. The, the, they've already proven people love it. The numbers are great. The charts are great. So good job on being able to deliver you. on your eighth That's LP. Awesome, That's guys. just That, that in itself, just having that is just a... It really is something. So uh, I'm nervous we didn't deliver on this podcast and like give something that makes us noteworthy. What do you have something? We, we'll make <laughs> I, no, time for I, it. I don't know. I'm just nervous that people are going to listen to it and be like, "Yeah, that's the stuff I knew." Well, maybe, but if you got something else, you can deliver it right now. If you got the stuff. most hidden, I know you, <laughs> got, you got a prompt. Yeah, I would love something hidden that like yeah, makes yeah. me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Let's just uh, let's come up with something. Hey, all, all, all joking aside, though, can we play uh, a song at the at the very end of the podcast? So um, listeners right here, can, yeah. we, can we do that? Yeah. All right, I mean, so if you're listening right now and you want to hear some Demon Hunter music, like if you haven't heard it, just listen all the way to the end of the podcast. It's we'll on Spotify that. and everything, but we can play. Yeah, but some people are lazy, dude. Some people we'll, are lazy. We'll some people, okay, I'll tell you what. That's a good idea. Right. We'll go ahead and do a new story, and then we'll say bye-bye, everybody, and then we'll roll it one of the Demon Hunter It's not an exclusive or a premiere because the thing's out or anything, but we'll roll something just so you have a context Love of what we're talking it. about. But we won't sit here right. and make ourselves listen to it on camera. Right. Yep, right. and so, we'll so before Toby breaks into the news, I want to thank Benjamin DeBoard, Austin Hill, Brennan Toller, Ian Z. Tur- Turn- Z. Turd. <laughs> Tur Turubiate, Turubiate, Ethan yep. Wilson, and that's not like Me- a demon hunter lyric. <laughs> and Metalhead, <laughs> you guys have just joined the BC Club, so we want to say welcome to the family. If anybody else wants uh, more information on the BC Club, you can go to thebcclub.com. It's a neat little community. They hang out on Facebook. We give them some free stuff, and most noteworthy you get an extra podcast episode where uh toby does a lot of crying it's uh it's it's pretty interesting stuff he always lets loose and yeah so toby hit the news yeah all right thank you matt kick the music In a world where uh, your friends from Demon Hunter told a lot of stories, but you really wanted them to tell the story about the time they snorted coke off a dead <laughs> prostitute's ass. My name is Toby Morrell, and this is the damn. 
we'll Toby, to you are a riot. You are a riot. They won't tell that story. Best Tuesday night of my life I've ever had. It's the best Tuesday I've ever had. All right, I got one good story here for you, and this is about uh, – uh, and we were talking about sports earlier, and nobody likes it, so I went for a sports story here, and this <coughs> comes from the Bleach Report. Uh, Matt, you remember when we uh, did a radio show on Oral Roberts University? What do you remember about Oral Roberts University? It's I'm in, listening. It's in Oklahoma, right? Right. In, in Tulsa. I'm on the right yep. track. Okay, so yep. Oral Roberts, you drive out in the middle of nowhere, yep. and then all of a sudden you start seeing – <laughs> this is my memory. It might not be exactly yeah. right, but giant buildings made of gold in the middle of nowhere. Made of gold is what I remember. You see unbelievable yeah. things made of gold in a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. I'm just making sure it's I'm on the right page. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my memory. Uh, yeah. You nailed it. You were exactly right. But uh, so Oral Roberts president told, told coach not to c- recruit tattooed players and test their faith. Oral Roberts basketball coach Scott Sutton, who was fired Monday, reportedly was given strict recruiting guidelines during his tenure. Now, uh, one thing that's really crazy about this is, you know, Bill Self, who's the head coach of Kansas, which mm-hmm. is an you know unbelievable team. One of his first jobs, if not his first job, was at Oral Roberts. Roberts. So they've been known for basketball. They've actually been pretty good, but they fired us. Uh, Coach Scott Sutton and uh, Bill Hasten of the Tulsa World reported on the firing and cited sources who said Oral Roberts president Billy Wilson told the basketball program to recruit only professed Christians when he took over in 2013. Uh, And then uh, Scott Feifel shared a report uh, that John Holcomb on the guidelines uh, that stipulated recruits not have tattoos as well. In addition to the recruiting mandates, Haston noted that Sutton said he learned of his firing from others who read about it on social media instead of directly hearing about it from Wilson or the athletic director, uh, who is actually your brother, Mike Carter. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mike. Yep. So anyway, so it goes on to talk a little bit more about this, but I just thought it was so interesting that this school said they wanted uh, professed Christians, no tattoos. So they they really did care about a look more than the basketball. So my question is, you know, those people at Oral Roberts, they don't like ornamentation. No, they don't. Even though they love gold and skyscrapers, (laughs) they like gold (laughs) skyscrapers. You do not. uh, We don't need ornamentation on the skin, I guess. But my question is, if do. Players and coaches should they just assume this is probably going to be the way if they work it? it like, is is this uh, should, like I, this makes me feel outraged. It makes me feel dumb that a player can't have a, all this stuff. But uh, it's Oral Roberts. Should you expect any less? <laughs> like, is this that? Is this actually that big of a deal, Joy? You're a pastor. I mean, is it? Is this that big of a deal that they would say no tattoos and they got to be for sure a Christian to play ball here? I just I think it's very stupid stupid for sure and if you are in any way shape or form interested in people like being interested in jesus who you believe in it's the dumbest thing ever like i just don't even understand it it does not even compute hey we want you to know about this jesus we follow but you can't play basketball for us or wear tattoos it just it's just it's it's primitive that's the word i like to use it's primitive primitive Yes, John. How many how many bands though did you not allow on Tooth and Nail because they didn't have tattoos? No, they had so, to have tattoos. Yeah, well, well yeah, that's what I'm is, saying. He, he refused. Heavily, Some bands yeah. didn't get to play. Yeah, as a heavily tattooed band, Demon Hunter collectively mm-hmm. is maybe tattooed more than your average 
band. Absolutely. But those, the the trick is you make sure those were all before you were saved. You got oh tattoo. yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a testimonial piece. I get it. It's right. a testimonial piece for brilliant when you're saved after people love yeah. that. People like love. yeah, if you can have the crate the crazy like the these past tattoos. the better, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And yeah. these are my scars real. of my sin. Yeah, <laughs> that's your testimony. You're like I have the three teardrops tattoo for the three people I killed in prison for the people I killed before. <laughs> And you got a double award overnight. It's yeah, amazing. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So I All think right, of it like the uh, I think the free market. You guys know me. I'm a big believer in the free market. I think you let the free market take care of this because Oral Roberts is going to sure. have a harder time recruiting. They're going to have worse basketball, right. and it leaves right. an opening for somebody else to come in and pick up on the stuff that they're not doing. So I was thinking about starting a uh, college in. Oklahoma, kind of outside of Tulsa, and I'm going to have silver skyscrapers, and I'm going to recruit basketball players that have tattoos, and you know they don't have to be Christian. You know, you want to know the name of my college? B.J. Bob's. Nope. What? Not because I mean we'll be in the shadow of Oral Roberts, of course, but the name of my right. college? Oral. Anal Roberts. <laughs> Anal Roberts. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you done gone, boy. Oh, Anal Roberts. I would love to get a degree from Anal Roberts. <laughs> I have a degree from Anal Roberts, actually. I have a BA. Oh, <laughs> man. Hey there, bad Christians. My name is Andy, and I make some instrumental ambient music under the name Lowercase Noises. And I'm very excited to tell you that I'm releasing an, a new album through BC Music on May 19th. It's called The Swiss Illness, and I'm very excited for you to hear it. Uh, even better is that the pre-order is up as of right now, so you can go to lowercasenoises.com and get in on some really cool pre-order packages. Uh, we've got like four different vinyl variants. If you include a test pressing, if you're a test pressing junkie, we have a few of those for you, and some really cool designs and cool stuff. And you're hearing a clip of, of what you can expect under this. Um, There'll be some more stuff coming out in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about this. This will be a nice, you know, you don't have to think about it if you don't want to. You put it on while you're eating your oatmeal or drinking your coffee or driving in your car. Let your mind go where your mind wants to go. Don't let anyone tell you where it should go. So go to lowercasenoises.com. Please check it out and pre-order it. Pre-order that. Pre-order it. It helps me a lot. And uh, I think you're really going to like it. So one last thing here, each pre-order is going to come with an immediate download of a live performance series that I did earlier this year called the Terra Incognita series, and it has not been available as a download until now, many people have asked, and now it's here. So you're only going to be able to get it right now if you pre-order this album. It'll be free, it'll be instant, and uh, it'll hopefully tide you over until the actual full album comes out, which you'll get a little early, by the way, for pre-ordering. So. Those are a few reasons you should buy it. You should check it out. It helps me, and it'll help you. Believe me, it'll help you. So go to lowercasenoises.com right now. Check it out.